0: Hey there, it's Ashley Stahl here, counterterrorism professional turned career and business coach. And I am here for those moments when you look in the mirror and you realize it's time to make some sort of radical change or U-turn in your life so that you can stop operating on cruise control and start living your life on purpose. So join me here on the U-Turn podcast every single week where you're gonna be hearing from inspiring, insightful guests, be it CEOs, spiritual leaders, love experts, or of course, Yours truly, so that you can become your very best self without having to take life so seriously. And don't forget, if you head on over to U-turnpodcast.com, podcast dot com, that's y o u t u r n podcast. You're going to get access to show notes, which have books and resources mentioned by our guests, as well as access to one of my four free e-courses over at u-turnpodcast.com. Whether you want to land a new job you love, get clarity on the best career path for you, launch that dream business, or deepen your romantic relationships. Whew, okay, enough about me. Let's get this party started with this week's guest. Mm-hmm. This episode is brought to you by Cake Publishing, ghostwriting, publicity, and copywriting house, there to help influencers and entrepreneurs get their voice out there in a much bigger way. If you're ready to make a bigger impact, head on over to cakepublishing.com. That's C A K E Publishing.com. Hey, Ash Stahl here at the U-Turn Podcast. This week, we are having someone that is really near and dear to my heart on the show, Alyssa Nobrega. She's a leadership coach, but she's so much more than that. She is someone that is going to help you get so much clarity on who you are, what you want, how to feel, how to be in the world as a really centered and intentional being. Alyssa happened to be one of my first coaches ever, and in a rare turn of events, we've become friends, which is such a gift. Very rare is it that we are friends with our coaches. Uh, And so I'm really honored to have her here and inspire all of you.
1: So let's get moving.
0: Alyssa, I love you. Welcome.
1: I love you. Thank you for having (laughs) me here. (laughs) It sounds
0: like a play date, but it's going to be even better. (laughs) Um, So talk to me like what, you know, we were talking earlier about what it looks like to go towards what you're wanting in your life. And, you know, what that experience might be for so many people. So what yeah. what are your thoughts on what happens for someone as they want to reach certain goals in their life and they start moving towards them?
1: Good question. I love it. I love the concept of conscious leadership so that we define what success is for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And what I find is that anytime somebody gets really clear on what their vision is and they start taking steps towards it, anything that has held them back mentally or emotionally will come up to be transformed. And so if we hustle over that, we we'll just take those blocks with us, creating more work for ourselves as we grow. So do our problems or patterns in our own brain, right? And so we just amplify everything. So part of the work that I do is to support people in being more conscious with looking at those things that have held them back and using them to help transform so that when they take strategy and steps towards what they're wanting to create making sure that it's aligned for them it's a lot easier to create it right we we get out of our own way so it's just a more conscious way of moving towards your goals because otherwise it's like it's not quite aligned or you're just taking more of the issues with you and those things that have been blocking us it's not bad that they come up. I actually get really excited with clients when they come up because that's the opportunity to change them, to change our relationships with them. Like for example, the inner critic, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or doubt. What are some other common ones? Confidence for men, um, anxiety, wh- anxiety. Yeah. All these things are just like, Oh, these are what are looking to be transformed. And if you have the right support or tools to work through them, not only are you going to feel better now, not just when you get the goal, so you're going to feel better now, but then you can actually be more productive and strategic with moving towards what you're wanting, having transformed those those blocks.
0: Mm, amazing. And uh, what would you suggest when somebody is, you know, they have some sort of goal, maybe they want to get a promotion, maybe they want to make more money, like something uh, that they really care about and they're moving towards it and they start to feel a wave of self doubt? Like what yeah. would be the first step?
1: Great. So first identify it so that they're not, they're not identified with the the block. Mm-hmm. So first see that it's a block, but it know that it has nothing to do with them. Mm-hmm. So then it's not personal. It's not heavy. It's like, Oh, there's that block mm-hmm. because our relationship with the block makes the whole difference. So it's like, if I change my relationship with the block, the block will change. Mm-hmm. And so first see it without identifying with it. Oh, mm-hmm. here's self doubt. And then find out how is doubt trying, there's different ways to approach it. So if you're more, if and I think it's helpful just to kind of orient people. So if you are afraid of feeling and if you tend to overthink things because it's an unconscious way not to feel, Mm -hmm. know that about yourself so that you can develop some more emotional mastery with just breathing through feelings because it really only takes 90 seconds to feel something without thinking about it for it to move through. Mm. So you want to be able to develop that part of yourself. Um, it's also going to help you in relationships. And if you happen to be one of those people that, oh, they wallow in feelings and they don't have the mindset to see what the thoughts are, the patterns are, or they just get sucked into them. You want to start identifying what the thought patterns are that bring you into an unconscious pattern of, uh, wallowing in it so that you don't just get sucked in. So you want to have both developed inside of you, right? So just something to orient, um, If you happen to not want to feel a lot of the time, then sometimes it's a practice for first noticing it's there and then breathing into the sensation in your body without telling a story about it. So if it's self-doubt, maybe in your solar plexus, you feel butterflies or queasy. It's like even just right now, as people are listening, you can just take a moment to get present with the sensation in your body Mm -hmm. And just breathe into it, fully allowing it to be here just for 90 seconds as an experiment, just breathing into it and then letting it go without thinking about it. And ironically, you'll start to notice as you breathe into and you accept it, it dissolves.
0: Hmm.
1: It's the exact opposite of what we would have thought. And so when, we, when we're when we trying to judge something, it's like an unconscious way to help us move on from it, but we're stuck with what we judge. And so the opposite is true. What we, what we accept, what we breathe into for those people that are, are afraid to feel their emotions. It's totally safe. It's just a feeling. It's just a sensation in the body and breathe into it and then let it go and notice that you're more present and it starts dissolving. So those are for the camp that are those who don't feel a lot yeah mhm just
0: breathing into it and being so what about somebody who has a hard time getting in touch with their feelings because i've been really finding a lot of people lately telling me that i don't really know how i feel about something until way later you know like yeah. how do you get connected to that
1: it's a muscle i think it just it's like it's like a something that you practice you just start noticing anytime you feel something, say anxious or stressed, right? At the, mm-hmm. at the heart of that is fear. Mm-hmm. So anytime you feel a contraction in your body, that's a cue to, to ask yourself, what am I thinking in that moment? Because thoughts create feelings. Mm-hmm. And so you want to start, it's, it's something a habit that you practice, but you can develop more internal mastery around this, which will translate to external mastery because life, is a mirror. So as you start changing these things inside, which is just starting to slow down or noticing when you feel stressed, what am I believing in that moment? And then you can question it. Um, that's more for the people, for those who are, they get, they get trapped in emotions. Mm -hmm. I just want to complete that part. So those who kind of wallow and they get trapped in emotions, start noticing anytime you feel deflated or disempowered or not confident or, or lack of self worth or self trust, That's when you want to discover what was the thought that I, that I was thinking prior to that feeling. that created that feeling.
0: Mm. And the
1: more you tend to that, the more you develop mastery around this muscle recognition of, Oh, that thought created that. And now I can go to the root of questioning that thought. And over time you just, it's like working out. You end up feeling your muscle memories are a lot stronger and you don't get sucked into these dynamics that aren't actually productive, nor do they feel good.
0: Mm, If only my body was as fit as my mind, I'd have a six pack. (laughs) (laughs) so i mean how do you so I'm, i'm just listening like let's say somebody who's listening right now they're feeling a bit depressed today yeah Um, can you walk us through like, okay, the person kind of realizes in their body, like, oh, I feel a bit depressed. That's how I feel. Yeah. Um, what would be the first question to ask themselves to get out of the depression, not to run away from it, but to move forward from it?
1: Exactly. Great. Great question. And so again, the first thing is just to notice that it's there without identifying it with with it. So it's like this feeling of sadness is here, but I am not sad. It's not who I am. I think it's a bit, that's an important step. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's energy of sadness here. Okay. And so it's okay that sadness is here. And let's just experiment for 90 seconds. Let's just discover what happens when I actually do the exact opposite of what I would want to do, which is breathe into it to allow it to be here. To just energetically breathe into the sensation in your body where the sadness is. And anyone can do this as they're listening. Just follow along. Find a contraction or a low energy in your body, even if it's tired. Just find where it is in your body. And without thinking about it, just breathe into the direct sensation in your body. And just fully giving it infinite space to be here just for right now as an experiment. Just breathing in. And letting it go and without thinking about it, just fully allowing it. What happens? What do you notice?
0: It's more ease, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. A hundred percent of the time. Mm, I just muted, like,
0: muted my mic. Cause I sounded like Darth Vader, just like breathing <laughs> yeah. out so much.
1: Yeah. It's like all these energies just want to be accepted. They just want to be allowed. And the moment we don't identify with them, we don't tell ourselves more stories about who we are, where we think we are, or we're not in our lives, and we just literally embrace them as a sensation in the body, they move on. They're like little kids. They're off playing again. It doesn't need to be hard. It doesn't need to take a long time. But in this way, as we have a practice of this, we get out of our own way. We feel more present, and we can move forward on our goals in a much more efficient and happier way.
0: Mm, And what do you have to say Um, And I I was thinking a lot about the places we go to avoid our feelings. Yeah. What would,
1: because I mean, let's say that the
0: person, yeah, (laughs) you know me so well. (laughs) I literally had one an hour ago. Let let that whole thing go. But I mean, you know, there's so many people who are not necessarily ascending in the way that they realize they're feeling depressed today. And they question, they question what the thought is and they breathe into it but there's a lot of people who are in avoidance. So I would love to hear like, what does avoidance look like? And how do you know if maybe you're in avoidance and it's time to switch it up?
1: Well, I think most people, if they're really honest with themselves, they know if they're in avoidance and if they're not honest with themselves, they're going to say they're not in avoidance, meaning if that pattern is playing out Mm -hmm. and you can't really help somebody change unless they want to, but obviously your listeners are here. So I just honor all of you guys for showing up to improve yourselves and to wake up to how amazing you already are and get some more life hacks and tools to live the life that feels really aligned for you. Mm -hmm. Um, and so if you're listening, you're probably not in, in a lot of avoidance, but, um, but one thing I would say, I think one of the most important things to, to just mention about this is not to judge whatever the habits or patterns are that we see, Mm. because again, as soon as we judge it, we're stuck with it. So for example, if you have a tendency to overwork as a way to run from not feeling good enough or overeat or serial date, you know, there are different ways that the human psyche plays itself out. Once we realize it and, and, and we can talk about how to realize it, but once we realize it, I think it's good to have a compassionate perspective about it to say, Oh, that's the part of me that's trying to make sure that I'm safe. That doesn't want me to fail. So I'm, I keep improving myself so that I feel good enough mm-hmm. so we can have a compassionate lens while we start seeing these patterns. And as we do that, we find out, well, what are they, what does it really want me? What does avoidance want for me? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, it wants me to make sure that I am safe, that I'm protected. And you can start taking dominion over that pattern of like, oh, cause obviously the avoidance isn't going to work. There's going to be some backlash where if it's Around overworking, we're gonna our body's gonna hurt, right? Mm -hmm. Where health is gonna be challenged by it. If it's if it's emotional eating, then our weight or our you know how we feel in our bodies and our health is gonna be affected. So there's consequences to avoiding. Mm -hmm. And so finding out what the pos like what's the payoff for avoiding? What does this pattern really want for me or for overworking? And find the positive intention behind it and say, oh, it wants to make sure that I am. Safe that I'm taking care of myself um, financially, that I am accepted in the world, whatever that intention is for you, then you can discover what's a new way that I can take, I can honor that intention without using avoidance. Mm. So it's like, okay, if I want to make sure that I'm financially taken care of, I, and one way that I've known to do that is to overwork. Well, let me just get more, more conscious about it. What's the number I want to create? Okay, I want to make $100,000 this year. And look at the ways that you've been doing it and things that are working and aren't working and be able to come up with a clear strategy. So you're engaged, but you're not burnt out. Mm. Right. And you can, you can take dominion over the parts of you that think that more money is working hard Mm -hmm. when that's not necessarily the case. And so when you start working hard, you can take a moment to just a, just a beat to say, Oh, this is when you reprogram or you you rewire, you say, I'm actually going to try it this way now. And you, acknowledge that part of you that's only known how to do it through burning yourself out. Mm. So it's like, Oh, thank you. You're the part of me that wants to make sure I'm taken care of. And I'm trying this way now. So give yourself a week, a day, an hour to experiment with something new and then just find out what's more effective. Mm, I love this. And I know that we, this all
0: relates to leadership, right? Like having an intentional life, feeling like you're leading. Um, Yeah. And I know leadership means something different to everyone, but when when you're coaching, what does leadership mean for you?
1: For me, it's, and what I'm most interested in supporting, because I feel like we're outside of the hierarchical models in this day and age. Nobody's looking for a guru or somebody to tell them what to do. We all know. And if we have the right questions, we can really hear our own wisdom around it. Yes. And so... I'm more interested in in empowering and supporting people in unlocking their own wisdom because you have your answers lined up for you better than anyone else. And a lot of the times we've looked outside of ourselves to government or to our parents or authorities for the answer when really we know. Mm -hmm. And I'm most interested in people waking up to their wisdom while having the support to hear it in the right questions and guidance to hear that. Um, So for me, I'm, I'm more interested in Having the the things that take the fear off this the line of this that create the static, so that you can hear your wisdom more clearly. And it's going to look different for everyone. So, and and the way I guess I would define success is really loving what you do. This is Maya Angelou's quote, which whom I love: loving what you do and loving how you do it. Mm, okay. And-, and so for me, it's it's it for me, what happened was I, I ended up taking my business last year online and it did really well and financially, but I didn't, I wasn't as fulfilled cause I didn't, wasn't really expressing my, all of my core values. So one of the ways that I like to, it's like, we don't have a career for 50 years anymore. That's not how we, how we navigate things. We have lots of different choices in our careers. And I think if you have a North Star and you have your clear five top five values, you can make decisions in alignment with that so that you feel fulfilled as you keep making decisions and moving forward in your life. So, for example, my top five values are connection, growth, truth, service and love. And so I make sure that I align all areas of my life with my values. So for example, I set up my business last year around um, growing it in a new way, which was online, but I didn't feel as much connection in person or live. And so I wasn't as fulfilled. So I started doing a hybrid. Now I do in-person things as well as online Mm -hmm. and for group, for group fitness, I'll do group group activities where I do group classes because it's more fulfilling. It's more in alignment with my values, right? So I think helping people identify what their top five values are and how they can align their life so that they express those values in all areas with their health, their relationships, their investments can be the ingredients for a more fulfilled and happier life.
0: Mm, And I mean, as it relates to Figuring out what your core values are. I know so many people have a knowing when they look at a sheet of paper and see a bunch of values listed, but there are also so many people who I think struggle to figure out who they are. You know, yes. and, they, and they look at this list and it's kind of just like, oh, it looks <laughs> totally. like scrambled eggs, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I, think such a great topic.
1: <laughs> I know I get it. It's like, well, how do you know if you don't know? So yeah, I think we can get overwhelmed when we don't have clarity in our lives. I definitely don't think you should look outside of yourself to try to get the clarity. I think it just creates more overwhelm and. and Sometimes it's okay to be inspired, but oftentimes it creates overwhelm. So what what I would encourage anyone in that position to do is to actually do a detox of looking outside and start to just tune in. So It's like we already have things in our life that light us up and if we start paying attention to them We'll start seeing the themes So what I did in how I started discovering what my top five values were and finding clarity was I just started creating a journal where I would write the the moment that I had the most joy that day Called it a joy journal. So I would just write down. Here's something that really lit me up and And then I would fight, find the theme. So at the time, I think I was living in Bali and I realized I loved bringing people to Bali. I think it's an amazing place. I loved consciousness work. I loved bringing people together. I loved raw food and scooter, right? Like I just started noticing the things that I loved. And at first you're going to have a big list, but you're going to start refining it to maybe first eight and then you'll get down to five. So for a while it was, I love people. I love nature. I love um, connection within myself. And then I realized, okay, if I just qualify that as connection, that takes the umbrella into that quality. And I tested it out. It's like a jacket. You wear it for a few days and you're like, okay, these are my top five values. And then from there you can, you can choose a career that is in alignment with those values, or you can change your career now so that you express those values more consciously. So if you don't have a lot of connection in your career, how can you cultivate that and create that now? Whether you change careers or you just start doing that in the current career that you're at, you'll not only have more fun in it, but it'll help you be more of an alignment towards or at least enjoy the time until you transfer to the next job. Mm -hmm. So, I love
0: that. And, start just
1: paying attention.
0: Yeah, paying attention, which I think a lot of people struggle with. Like, how you know what I mean? Like, it's a it's a noisy mind that we often hang out in. So, what are some suggestions you have to make some space so that you can start paying better attention to yourself? I
1: like I like a nightly journal. I really do. I think taking time to unplug from online because it can get really overwhelming. Just looking out that process of looking, I think at least have fifty percent looking in where you're where you have a practice of reflection. Where you're really navigating your life in a way that feels true for you, not just going through the motions or not wait, paying attention to what, what lights you up, what you really value. I think it's your time is worthy of you. And rather than scrolling through Instagram at night, it's like, can you write for a minimum of five minutes and start noticing what lights me up? What am I really called to do in the world? And what feels, what feels like a deep yes for me? Or what are those wisdom nuggets that you would have overlooked? If you hadn't have taken the time just to write down and reflect, just a simple five minutes a day can start making a big difference.
0: Mm, And I think that also, you know, as I'm thinking about this, there's so many people who I I think society has a, there's a certain mindset, especially in the United States of the 40 hour work week or, um, the kind of job you should have. I know that when I was a kid, I was told that my options were like veterinarian, teacher, lawyer, (laughs) you know? (laughs) and obviously you know get to twerk podcast was definitely on the list of options <laughs> exactly. i was told <laughs> but my my question i think with this is i think so many people are not necessarily uniquely designed to participate in society in the way that is typically heard like For me, I know that I'm not meant for the 40 hour work week, not because I'm entitled and I don't want to work. There's no story I have there, but because Mm -hmm. like when I don't have space in my life, I don't, I lose my creativity. Like it's just not as Mm -hmm. there and I'm not as happy I notice. So Mm -hmm. what other, like what ways can people start to think about their life or question the norms that they're buying into? Or what, what are some ways that people can shift the way they're thinking to step into more leadership, being more of who they truly are?
1: Yeah, these are, this is, these are such good questions. I think having time and space to ask the bigger questions so you don't get out of alignment and just go with the flow of what everyone else is doing so that you can really define what your values are, what success is for you. Then you don't let life do it for you unconsciously. Um, I think community is also a big, so having space to reflect and really tune into yourself. Number one, community is a big thing. Having people around you that call you forward, that inspire you into what's possible, I think is, is one of the greatest ways to create change and really questioning the assumptions that you live out of. I have a practice, like it's a non-negotiable, at least one hour a week of just questioning the beliefs I live out of. And I think starting with the the stressful beliefs is helpful for people. But if you want to go even deeper, you can, you can question everything. And there's a great level of freedom in that when we get over the like freak out of how we've seen everything and the world and control and all that. But there's a real level of creativity and that's where the inspiration kicks in and we can get downloads for what would be what we're not seeing right now that maybe in the next five years is an opportunity, right? You didn't have this podcast when you were younger, right? As an option. So it's like you, there's something in you that is intelligent, that's deeper than what your mind knows. And if you create space to listen to that, you will be guided and you can mirror, like doors open up in ways that, that I, we couldn't have planned for. That's been my experience at least. And the more I listen to that voice, the, the better things line up. And and I definitely think helping people choose careers that feed their energy. I'm sure you've talked about zone of genius where yeah. you, you overlap what you, what you love and what you're good at because the things that give you energy, you're uniquely qualified to share in the world. And that inspiration, that creativity gifts, everyone you're around gives you energy and you are in that zone, that creative zone. And so you Ashley are such an example of play and creativity and a powerful businesswoman. I love that you're doing this. And it's like you're uniquely qualified to do certain things that other people aren't, and me as well. And if we can listen to that, we end up gifting everyone around us with those unique attributes and qualities. But we first have to tune in, we have to know what those are within us. I think having a community is powerful to call us forward, and having a practice of really questioning the limiting beliefs that come up along the way. Those would be three really powerful takeaways for people to start integrating, or at least trying on to see if that supports them. Other people are going to want to make sure that they, you know, listen to podcasts and or work out and all those things can be great. But keep it simple for yourself, whatever kind of practice you do, keep it simple and then stay consistent with it and really try it out and see what actually helps you unlock your magic.
0: Mm, Gosh. Well, shucks, Alyssa. Thanks for all the compliments. (laughs) I I receive them. (laughs) I'm also curious, you know, I think that especially you and I, we're entrepreneurial creative spirits. I think a lot of people have a creative spirit inside of them, of course. And one belief that I hear quite often or belief system that I notice a lot, especially in one-on-one coaching is people who have questions around what qualifications mean. Like, Mm. am I qualified? Can I have this? Mm -hmm. And I would love some of your thoughts on imposter syndrome and um, how to release that so that we can move even more into leadership. And I know you talked a little bit about getting intimate with it, seeing what this part of you says. Um, Are there other tools that you have in mind or books that people can read that you love to step into more leadership?
1: Um. Great question. So in terms of the imposter syndrome, it's almost like it's a self image. So there's an image that we have about who we think we are and who we think we're not. And it may match what the world, how the world sees us, or it may not. Um, But you've stepped into a position in your life where you are deeming yourself not qualified. And it's just a story. It's based on an image and image is not real. And so the more you can question that, um, the, the more you can step into what is true. And I, you know, we could go deep and I think I'll, I'll save that for another talk. <laughs> what we do around self-image and the truth <laughs> of who you are, you don't but, want to do a seven hour podcast on your on image. <laughs> but I mean, it's a deep, it's a deep process of like waking up out of the belief systems of who we think we are because those change over our lives. And so, you know, this whole idea of being qualified, we've been conditioned, a lot of us, at least in the West have been conditioned into, you have to do these steps and then you're qualified. And even the people that have. I remember when I, when I got my license, I was driving, I thought, oh my God, they just gave me a license. Holy, I am, this is who's driving in the world. That was so easy. And so same, you know, it's like, oh, when I became a therapist, it was like, oh, that's what it takes to be a therapist. All this other training didn't. And, you know, or like, that's what it took to become a doctor it's you can go both ways of yeah. like oh shoot who's running this world <laughs>
0: yeah that's how i felt in the pentagon it was like yeah. whoa what are we whoa. doing here <laughs> yeah. yeah
1: right and it's like if we if we don't and that's like another conversation but if we don't if we don't align with or really embody and step into the positions that we're in in our lives who will and the more conscious we can do that with doing and i'm big into leadership with yourself first and then inspiring others too, because when we're told what to do, how often is that inspiring? Versus when we see somebody living in their fullness and their potential, and they're rocking it, and they're with an open heart, we're inspired. Uh-huh. And so, first leading ourselves, being an example, but working with the the limiting beliefs about you know our low self worth there's low self confidence of like who am I to do this? I can't, or or feeling like I'm the only. Woman in this position, am I qualified? Or if I'm the only, I'm the youngest person in this position, am I qualified? All those are just insecure thinking. It has nothing to do with who you are. It's just a pattern of thought, and you can feed those thoughts or you can question them. It's that simple. I tend to, I love Byron Katie's work. You know me. I, Mm -hmm. she has a website called TheWork.com, and she's got free resources for people to do mindset work. I think it's one of the cleanest, if not the cleanest, way to do mindset work. And Uh, And to to me, that is then self leadership. You have the answers when the fear and the contractions aren't there. And that's what the work does. It helps you let go of the fear so that you can powerfully show up in a conscious way doing the work that you are inspired and called to do. And that changes the world. And but it starts with us. And so, you know, the imposter syndrome is just they're just beliefs they have nothing to do with who you are and and it's like the more you can use that to help you wake up to who you are beyond any belief system about being good or bad or or worthy or not worthy, you discover a deeper freedom and in that i'm I could like that's to me one of my core values, so it's a worthy investigation is what I would say and and mm. try it out
0: mm. I'm like realizing the questions I'm asking you, thank God nobody's asking me them because you're really answering some big questions as i'm <laughs> listening and i still have to go back even though we could talk for a billion hours about this of the ego's desire to self-identify an image like what can you share because i think that this is the crux of everything yeah. we're, we're talking about so and a lot of people don't know about this so what are your thoughts on identity and how well, people like to identify like i've had so many coaching clients like one client is like the CEO of a hospital. And it's very much like she identifies as the CEO of the hospital who went to Harvard. You know, a lot of us are identify with our LinkedIn profile, our resume, mm-hmm, how people mm-hmm. see us. So how do people get beyond that? Because I think even though a lot of people rest on that and they love their juicy little elevator pitch that they share at cocktail parties, yeah. a lot of people I think are tired of themselves. They're tired yeah. of keeping this up. So what are yeah. your thoughts on how to break past that? How to question that, how to notice that, anything.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Honesty, just being really honest and true with ourselves. And, and, and I think there is a point where it's like, Oh, this is an old suit, an old story I've been telling myself, because even, even if we think we have a good self image, right, we've got a good identity, there's going to be positions that we're in or circles that we're in where we're that identity isn't that fun to wear, right? There's going to be people that do stuff that's better than us. And so as soon as you identify with being good, the pendulum has to swing and we're bad in another situation. And any any identity is too limiting for the truth of who you are. It's too limiting because we are bigger than any identity. Mm. And so there are, for me, when I question, you know, one simple thing that people can do is they can write down, I am dot, dot, and then write down the different identities. I am a daughter. I am an, an executive. I am not good enough. Cause sometimes we're going to feel good enough and sometimes we're not going to feel good enough, which is mm-hmm. ironic and should be a, a wake up call in and of itself. Right. Cause who we who <laughs> is constant, but the stories change. Like when we're younger, it's like, I am who, what my car is. I am who I marry. I am what my job is. I am the mom and these identities change, but there's something that doesn't change. And that it, to me, that something is much, is a deeper level of freedom. And it's actually the experience of what we think the identity will give us but it's already here because the ego is trying to give us, it's trying to sell us something in the future that we already are. Mm. And so we just write down these stories. They're so innocent. It's so sweet. It's so cute that it's like, I'm this, this, and this. And one of my one of my spiritual teachers talked about the ego as as if there was a play happening and you were in the audience and the play just happened and all the audience started applauding and then you in the audience ran up as the ego ran up on stage and took the bow and took the whole credit for everything. (laughs) And it's so innocent. It just wants to be seen and acknowledged and feel special and and it, and it is, but it's not any more or less than anyone else. And, again, just having a compassionate witness, a compassionate presence to these patterns of thinking or patterns of identifying ourselves as X, Y, and Z or not X, Y, and Z, I think is helpful because it's more aligned with our true nature, which is compassionate, which is loving, um, but it's unconditional. And so bringing love to those parts of us or, or to those misunderstandings is really powerful, but just literally writing down, I am, and then I am X, Y, and Z, and going through questioning each belief. Can I know for sure that this is who I am? Can I know without a shadow of a doubt? And then where, if so, where's my proof? And really starting to, to take a magnifying glass into the unconscious assumptions that we've gotten into about who we are. Because it's like, I remember being a kid and thinking, "Wow, we are so gullible. We've just believed what everybody else has told us to be true." Uh-huh. And there comes a point where we take our power back and we start really investigating what our truth is, and that is an exciting moment because, in that any moment, like life is like an etch a sketch. Any moment we can just we can just swipe, <laughs> and it's clean, it's fresh, and none of that exists other than what's in our mind. Wow. And I'm just, I'm
0: also thinking about truth. Like so many people there, there there's so many levels of truth and it's so hard to
1: figure out what's true. Well, Um, let's do an experiment real quick. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, okay, so everybody stop thinking for two seconds, one, two. So in those two seconds, whatever wasn't being maintained by the mind isn't true.
0: One well, more time, t- say that again. Whatever wasn't being
1: wasn't maintained. being maintained by the mind. If you had to make it up, if you had to tell yourself its existence in your mind, it's not true. Mm-hmm. It's that simple.
0: Yeah, it reminds me of like an old lady who I knew who um, somebody was talking about in a seminar. How she said she was depressed and she just didn't want to live anymore. And she was like, "I'm 95. I just need to go." And, um, one morning she woke up and and the guy asked her, he said, is there any time where you don't feel like you want to die? And she said, yeah, first thing in the morning.
1: Mm. And
0: he was like, why? And she's like, well, because I forgot I'm depressed.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. It's like, we kind of
0: remember, you know, sometimes we have, I think that's what presence does, right? Like there's so many moments where people might notice like, man, I feel, I felt so good in that moment. And it's like, well, if we really take a look at why you felt so good in that moment, maybe it's because you just forgot the whole story you've been telling yourself about what doesn't feel
1: good. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes it's hard when we're caught in those stories to, to, we may see it, but we don't really know how to get out of it. And so just writing down for me, just writing down all those stories that created my stress or my depression or anxiety. And then looking at that from a distance, it's like, Oh, no wonder I'm feeling this way. I'm believing all these things. Yeah. And just having compassion and then having a process like the work or doing some work with a coach or somebody to help you move through those misunderstandings. It's like instant freedom.
0: Yeah. Yeah. God, this podcast episode is for me today. I'm like, okay, (laughs) noted. Thank you. (laughs) And, you know, I think a lot of people, I I assume that part of the reason that they don't want to change is because there's loss, you know, with change. There's loss with, like, sometimes, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's beliefs about loss, at least. Like, you perceive that if you become more you, you're going to lose friends, you might lose your job, or, you know, people won't like you. So, how do you move through the grief of change? Because sometimes if you really grow, your friends don't make sense for you anymore or, yeah. you know, all of these different I, things.
1: Yeah, I think I think we have talked a lot about like questioning your beliefs. So obviously, if you question the fear based stories, it'll be easier to, to do that. But um but it's like experiment then be willing to test something out and it can be small. So that you don't have this big, huge band-aid rip. Some people like to go all in and they're intense and go for it. But if not, then it's like, can I speak my truth 10% more today and see mm-hmm. what happens? I love that. Can, can I be a little bit more compassionate with myself when people don't accept me and know that those who I am growing, that the woman I'm growing into is, there are other women that will support me as I am, and as I support myself, I don't, I don't need it from them so much, and I won't. I won't take anything less than what I'm offering myself. And therefore I'll align with women who do see me and celebrate me and support me mm-hmm. or a partner. So it's like we start showing up for ourselves the way that we want the world to. And we, we take the world off of the expectation that they should give us something pr- approval, praise, love validation. We give that to the part of us that is in- innocently looking for it from the world. And ironically, we don't need it so much from them. And it's easier than to align with people that are, in, that are mirroring to us how we feel about ourselves and what is our truth now as we grow and evolve. Mm-hmm. But there, there is something, just to mention, sometimes there's something called a competing intention where if we've really been trying to make efforts to make a change in our lives, say we've hit a plateau in our income um, and we're really hustling and trying our hardest and working with a coach or something and we're not able to create that change, sometimes what I find is that there's a competing intention, meaning we've got one desire that's opposing another desire. Mm, Love that. And and so it's like, I want to make more money, but I've got this fear around it and it's unconscious. Mm -hmm. And so one thing you can do is you can ask yourself, if you're in this situation where you haven't been able to make change on something, you've really been giving your all to it, ask yourself, one fear I have about having what I want is, and then listen, and your, my, your mind's going to be like, well, I don't fear making more money. Of course I want that. But it's like, well, if I make more money, I fear. And then listen, see what comes up. Cause I did this with, I've done this with lots of people, but one woman realized that she was afraid she was, if she made more money, she was afraid that she was going to make more than her husband. And then she wouldn't be in a marriage anymore because the, t- the, the point that her mom made more money is when they, her parents got a divorce. Wow. And so she, Unconsciously associated making more money means divorce. Wow.
0: That's a huge huge breakthrough and I think a lot of people sometimes if you give them an invitation like that Like if I make more money comma I fear most yeah. people are going to go straight into their heads and not even just spit out an answer mm-hmm. Um, so what would be a suggestion you think for somebody to just get straight to the truth quicker?
1: Yeah, well, this is a it just take just listen for five seconds
0: Don't even like overthink what comes through. Don't overthink. Yeah.
1: Just, and you could also just write for two minutes without picking up the pen. Mm -hmm. Great. Two minutes. I, I, what I fear about having more money is, and then write for two minutes, just stream of consciousness. Don't pick it up. Don't think too much about it. And then after two minutes, circle the ones that surprised you. And then you'll start bringing more mindfulness to these unconscious blocks. And you'll, you'll be able to take dominion over it. And it'll be easier for you then to break through that next income level.
0: So beautiful. And, um, when it comes to, you know, really getting clarity on what you want to do, you suggested journaling, what lights you up, you suggested core values, which is something that I, I love both of those. Um, are there any other suggestions that you have for people in their career right now who are feeling yeah. disconnected from purpose? Um, but they really want something and they kind of feel like they're drawing up a blank.
1: Yeah. What Yeah. Start? To me, to me, purpose really is living in alignment with your values in all areas of your life. Right. So I, um, but I, some, I challenge people when they say that they don't know what they want. I challenge them because I do think we know what we want. We may have a misunderstanding that it's possible for us to be successful with it, or we may have some other fear that's clouding us feeling that we can carry it out and do it in the ways that we really want to. But question the fears first. Like if you really did know what you want, what would that be? And just challenge yourself to get really honest, not just to believe that, that they don't know. And so challenge yourself to get really honest. Okay, I I do know what I want. What is that? And then identify what that is. And then the next thing I would do is identify what the fear is so you can question that and not create a barrier for yourself before you even begin. So start questioning those fears. But the other thing I would say is once you've identified what you want, what do you imagine it will give you? So it's like, okay, if I make more money and I'm with the ideal partner and I've got, you know, X, Y, and Z, what would, what's the goal underneath the goal? What's the deeper goal? It's like, okay, then I would feel secure. Then I would feel safe. What is it for you? What is the deeper intention for why you want those things? And once you identify what those qualities are, start embodying and expressing them in your life now so that you don't get so caught on the physical thing, giving it to you, but you start inhabiting that security or creating that sense of security within yourself. So maybe you secure the insecure part of yourself as a way to do that, mm-hmm. like as a practice. And and then you 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 actually have what you think the goal will give you. And you're not so attached or controlling around the goal giving it to you. Ironically, it helps you be more bold and more confident in stepping forward to create it and not disillusioned thinking that the future will give you something that you don't already have. All mm.
0: well, the tricks we play on ourselves unbelievable. Um, I mean, it can get tricky. <laughs> yeah, it's like the Olympics in our heads. Um <laughs> And I'm just curious, like, what are you loving right now? Because um, I don't know if I mentioned to you, did I tell you I started Kundalini Yoga a little bit?
1: I want to go with you. I love Kundalini Yoga. I am
0: so feeling it, and it is so opening up my world. I didn't – because, first of all, the word yoga scares me away. (laughs) So it's really true because I just picture myself darting my eyes around the room and having to stretch, and I'm like, that feels like a punishment. But (laughs) – Kundalini, yoga. so some psychic told me you got to do kundalini. Yoga. I'm like, okay, whatever, I'm gonna try it. So I brought my mat and realized it's just like a meditation chanting class. Um, and I was like, oh, I don't even need a mat, I don't need to stretch this. This I can do, so it's been really really helping. And I feel like you're so tapped in, Alyssa, to yourself, and to and that's just one of the best gifts of being friends with you and having you in my life and having been coached by you in so many ways. I I'm curious, like, what are you loving right now? Is there a resource? Is there a book? Is there a class? Yeah, um, something actionable that you really want to impart or share.
1: You know, I'll just share what's really inspiring me, and I'm going to call myself out in, in public so that do I do just really commit to this because I've been I've been feeling the woods for a while. I love redwoods, mm-hmm. and I have not gotten out into the redwoods. And I have got some space on my calendar to be creative to give myself that space. So I'm committing in the next. within this next 30 days, for sure, I'm thinking two weeks that I'm going to be out in the Redwoods just to give myself my own retreat. Um, that would be really nourishing for me on so many levels. Um, but in terms of one of the things, and one of the things that I've been really enjoying is acupuncture. I'm on this health hack right now of, I've never really prioritized my health, but I'm loving acupuncture. How interesting. Tell me more it's like they do this little needle point on my third eye and I feel like it's like a state of oneness. And I, I travel and I'm just, my body does, feels like it's elevating and I kind of sleep, but I kind of don't. It's, and I feel really rejuvenated. It's fantastic. So big plug for acupuncture, which is, I'm not normally into health and all that, which is probably why I'm getting into it now. But, um, and then, and then Byron Katie's work, those are the three things that I, that I am deepening in more and more. So Mm -hmm. questioning my thoughts, being in redwoods, being in the woods, and acupuncture.
0: Being pricked by a few needles. I can give you it for free, Alyssa. Just
1: come over. I'm so curious how it would end up after that.
0: Just, It would just look like literally like a war zone, just blood everywhere.
1: <laughs> I'm sure I'd feel great. I would just tattoo
0: my name on your back with the needles like a creep. <laughs>
1: I'd get all this
0: like henna tattoo. Yes. Just (laughs) my Ashley on your back with little pricks. Um, Oh my God. I love you. I could
1: just talk to you you. for so
0: long. Um, What am I? So Jake Abraham always encourages me to ask this. I've been asking a lot of people, what have I not asked you that you think would just be so great for me to ask Mm. you and serve other people here?
1: Mm. I would just encourage your listeners to get really honest with themselves and ask themselves what's most important to them Mm -hmm. and to ask themselves why they're not prioritizing it and if they are to celebrate themselves because twofold i think it's important to be really honest with ourselves to have time to just check in and so, and the, as i'm calling you out i haven't been in the redwoods i'm now committed to that mm-hmm. um and the other thing that's really important and i'm really lit up right now especially in the the leadership program that i'm doing with women is to celebrate ourselves it's like we can have all this list of things that where we're not in our life and things that we can improve but i think it's if not more important to also acknowledge where we are and all that we do to show up for ourselves and for each other and i think that growth doesn't have to be hard it can be super inspiring and fun and rather like being compassionate with our own inner criticism, but also then cultivating a consciousness of, 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 Acknowledging ourselves, and as we do that, we acknowledge each other, and that inspires change.
0: Mm. And this also makes me think a lot, Alyssa. As we're talking about how different practices—be it acupuncture, be it my Kundalini yoga class—it's like when somebody kind of branches out of their comfort zone. they you know, like you talked about earlier. There's a lot of resistance, and mm-hmm. sometimes I'm sitting in my Kundalini yoga class, chanting, crying for no. Well, there's got to be a reason. I don't know, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, either I'm totally losing my shit or I'm finding it. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> let it happen let it let it happen let yeah it yeah well i'm i'm so grateful that we're here together and i would love for you to share like where can people find you
1: yeah they can go to com, and i do different events online for free and i'm starting to do more in person i'm in la but i i'm going to do them around the world so would love to just support anyone any of your listeners in any way that i can
0: thank you so much i love you it's
1: i like love you so so much
0: Hey there, it's Ash here, and as always, I'm reflecting on this most recent episode with Alyssa Nubriga, who is such a sacred friend to me, and a mentor, and a, and a teacher, and a student, and all of the magical things that happen when you find deep relationships in your life, and one of the things that I love the most about her work is that she focuses on the somatic experience of pain and what i mean by that is that quite often we feel pain in our bodies and we go instantly into a story in our head about labeling that pain as what it might be. So for example, i remember when i gave my TEDx talk at Berkeley years and years ago, i was going on stage after guy kawasaki, which i don't know if you know who he is, but he is a total badass man with a lot of incredible achievements and investments and really well known as a speaker and I, on the other hand, was I had never spoken to a crowd before. I had come straight out of my counterterrorism career. And, you know, the extent of my public speaking efforts was pretty much me standing in front of a bunch of military officials reading the results of intelligence reports that I had come up with. There was no standard or bar for inspiration. And I'll never forget going backstage at the TED Talk and realizing that I was so nervous and looking around and realizing that everybody else was nervous. And one of the mind shifts that I started to come up with was that instead of calling my nerves nervousness, what I would do is I would realize I just have a lot of energy moving through me. And that's something that I think Alyssa would stand by is that, More often than not, we have some sort of somatic experience going on into our bodies and we label it versus allowing ourselves to just identify it as energy moving through the us. So I remember standing on the side of the stage at the TEDx event with 4,000 people in the audience, never had spoken ever in my life, and sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, I'm not going to title what I'm feeling in my body right now as anything because then I'm going to go into even more of a story about what this is and get myself tripped up I'm just going to acknowledge right now that I have a lot of energy moving through me. And one thing that Alyssa has advised is that when you feel that, to breathe into it without giving it a name, without identifying or going into a story about what it is. So I remember sitting on the side of the stage at my TED Talk, holding my heart with my hand, uh, putting my hand over my heart more (laughs) accurately, and breathing in and out um, into the the sensation that I had on me. And just like that, it went away and it lifted. And I think so often we spend so much time emoting and going into a mental story about what we're experiencing that we create more drama for ourselves through it. And it's not about denying what's present. It's more about um, withdrawing from the need to exacerbate it and make it more than it really is. Uh, So that's the first thing I wanted to just talk about was, you you know, how you relate to when energy hits your body. Maybe you want to call it sadness. Maybe you want to call it pain. Maybe you want to call it loss. Like, whatever it is on your body, instead of labeling it, I just want to invite you now, next time you're feeling something in your body, you know, put your hand over your heart and breathe into it without making it wrong, without making a story about what it is. Uh, The second thing I wanted to talk about from this interview and it's so funny because before I turned on my audio to talk to you I was like what am I going to talk about this was so complete but I always find more to talk to you about is um journaling there's so many different layers of journaling I know Ben Hardy over you know in one of our other podcast episodes talks about journaling a lot it's one of his power tools but there's a lot of different ways to harness a journal so I'm not really big on yoga. I'm not really big on journals, but I use them to my best of my abilities that I think serves me. And here's a couple different ways you can consider journaling. The first way is just to release emotions, free form writing. So let's say that you've got a lot of energy moving through you and instead of labeling it, you're breathing into it. Another great way to use that is to just release whatever it is on paper, just to write aimlessly in a subconscious stream of thought. Usually after about 10 minutes, if you're writing free form from an aspect of you, maybe you feel anger is present or whatever it is, if you write from that aspect of you, um, after about 10 minutes, usually subconscious material or unconscious material comes up and you start to see thoughts on the page that you didn't even know you had. So that's really powerful as a form of release. Secondly as a joy journal. So if you're struggling to figure out your purpose uh, in the workforce or even just not feeling connected to anything... A really great way to use a journal, and you don't even need a journal. You can use your iPhone or, you know, whatever your smartphone is in your note-taking app. And you can just write one thing that lit you up every day for 30 days, and you're undoubtedly going to find a bunch of trends. And I know that this is something that Alyssa has brilliantly touched upon. Another thing that a lot of people use journaling for is gratitude. They will write something that they're grateful for every day. What I personally use journals for is to write down the beliefs that I'm having in any given moment. So if I feel like I'm in pain in some way, um, you know, and I don't want to breathe into it and not label it like the exercise I just suggested, but I'd rather name it. Um, I will pull out a journal and write the beliefs that my pain has or whatever it is that I'm feeling. And, um, You know, that's really served me well to see what it's believing about the world. And then a real power tool that I've moved into with this, and I learned this through my master's in spiritual psychology, is to compassionately forgive yourself for a limiting or irrational. A lot of the times our beliefs are irrational. Forgive yourself for those beliefs. So the way that I do it is if I feel pain present, I'll write down what the pain is believing about a situation or an event. And I will look at it and I will read it and say, I forgive myself for buying into the misbelief that, and I'll read the belief and I'll say the truth is that, and I switch it. So for example, I remember at the Pentagon, my first meeting ever, I was, I mean, I was a wreck. I was so nervous because there's a culture and hopefully it's not still the case where if you don't have military experience, you're not taken as legit you know, and even though I had a master's and spoke three languages and all of these things, I wasn't taken as seriously. So I remember walking into my first meeting and I had to run out the door and I literally vomed in the bathroom. I was so anxious or whatever you want to call it, whatever that energy was moving through me. And I came, you know, and that's where I coined my favorite term, hashtag throw up and show up, which totally isn't the vibe I'm going for, but I think it's a funny rhyme. And so I totally threw up and showed up. And so I, I walked into my meeting. And I remember realizing that I had a belief that I wasn't good enough. I wasn't good enough to be here. I wasn't good enough to be in a management role. I wasn't good enough to be making six figures at 23. I wasn't good enough. uh, And there's all these other Harvard degrees or all these other degrees that should be in the room. And there I was. And uh, I remember looking back on that moment, I could have written down these beliefs. The part of me that thought I wasn't good enough was thinking. And I could have gone directly into compassionate self-forgiveness, that power tool from my master's program of saying, I forgive myself for buying into the misbelief that I'm not good enough. The truth is my worthiness has nothing to do with this job. You know, this might be the job for me. It might not, but how good I am as a person and what I'm capable of, it is completely separate from the job that I'm doing here. I'm not my results. The truth is I am not my results. So, you can use this power tool at work. If you ever feel your your peace is disturbed in some way, you can figure out what aspect of you is present, you know, write down what it's believing and feel free to go directly into compassionate self-forgiveness, forgiving yourself for the misbelief and updating it with something that you know in your soul is much closer to the truth. So I could go on and on forever about this work and um, God bless the writers over at my PR firm, Cake Publishing, uh, a ghostwriting house that I run. I, a couple of them had some misbeliefs uh, just this week about if their writing is great or not, and I I, ta- I told them let's just go into compassionate self-forgiveness and forgive yourself for the belief your writing isn't good, and let's update it with the truth. So. This is uh, translating not just in my career and my leadership as a manager, uh, as a business owner, but it's also translating into my soul and who I am and how I process grief, whether I'm going through heartbreak, whether I'm going through uh, loss, whether I'm going through failure, you know, perceived failure, whatever it is. So with that said, I'm signing off, sending you lots of love and so excited for you to put these tools to use and I'll talk to you on the next episode. Thanks again for tuning into this week's episode of the U-Turn podcast. You can find all of the resources that our guest mentioned on our show notes at U-Turnpodcast.com. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N podcast com. Also, don't forget on the website, we've got our four free e-courses. Whether you want to land a new job you love, get clarity on the best career path for you, launch your dream business, or deepen your romantic relationships. I'll talk to you soon. Can't wait to connect on next week's episode.